have a life. And you're alive. And you're alive. And I'm alive. <clears throat> yes, two weeks into January. Still you're here. still alive. Still it's here. remarkable. Yeah. Next week, maybe. Maybe not. We'll see. Yeah. Joe, last week. Well, you didn't go. get the vaccine, did you? Go on ahead. Last no. week, what? Yes, no. I don't disclose. That's personal. You're not allowed to ask that. Shut up. You're not allowed to ask that. No. <clears throat> I'm going to keep it a secret. You notice all these people on Twitter and wherever else, they're constantly polling the yeah. readers or baiting them in with questions. You know, yeah. They want to divulge. What's your experience with the vax? If you got it, were you vaxxed or not? How many did you get? Constant polling. Do you know polling. anybody who's... Who, like... I mean, it's innocent enough. Most people don't have anything to hide. Uh, they're safe. It won't be used against them. But you should be careful on Twitter. Like anything you can, anything you say or do on Twitter can and will be used against you. Not so much in a court of law, perhaps, but eventually in a court of public opinion. Those people like constantly trolling for, for data, they may be well-intentioned. They just want to get a snapshot of Fox Popular, right? What's, what's going on? What do people think about an issue? But we've now seen from all these Twitter files <laughs> that the agencies are watching everything. You know? mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Uh, what were you going to say last week? What? Last week, I was like, what in the hell is Joe Quinn talking about? Because genuinely, like, trying to figure out, because we hadn't discussed it beforehand, but you came up with this thing that I've now abbreviated to the Obi-Wan Kenobi theory of US politics, which, you know... Who was Obi-Wan? That was Trump, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, Trump was right. all we I, I just made that up in, on, on the, the spot the last week. Yeah, but it's it's cool. It's a cool metaphor for what you were trying to explain. But I was still trying to um, wrap my head around it by the end. It's only been in the, the weeks since last week that I kind of understand what you're talking about because of all that's happened. Fits into a framework of what you were talking about. Um, so Go for, for reference, we had a, we showed the tweet by Marjorie Taylor Greene one of the, you know, rebel Alliance. GOPers, rebel Alliance, um, uh, House of Representatives uh, for the GOP. And she had her list of, her wish list of, okay, now we've got McCarthy Speaker, this is what we're going for. One of those items is already checked off the list. Um, let's just put it up. We don't have to reference it, just to refresh with people. This is Fox News reporting it. Um, now, uh, an American colleague of ours chimed back in when we pointed this out to him and he said, yeah, but this will never happen because it still has to go to the Senate and the Senate's Democrat control and never pass. Still, it's that may be the case. We'll see. Um, last, new, last week's news on Fox, House votes to rescind billions in funding to the IRS in first major majority action with McCarthy as Speaker. That was the first item of three on her list. Now, the two other items, one of them, I suppose, is already underway. The second item on Green's list was um, uh, investigate Joe Biden mm -hmm. for possible impeachment, right? Um, pro uh, what was it specifically? Pro Hunter Biden laptop uh, and or Ukraine. The documents. Oh, yeah. For that. The, no, yeah, the yeah. documents came after. That's yeah. the queer thing about this week. Okay, yeah, they wanted to investigate him for Ukraine, Hunter Biden laptop, basically. Yeah. They've been talking about that for a while, yeah. Yeah, 10% for the big guy. Okay, uh, second item. This was not on her short list of three, but this is one you predicted, because this, this would be something that would signal the overall change in focus, if there is to be such, of the overall ship of state changing its, its trajectory. 
So um, again, an American colleague of ours said, yeah, but that's not going to go anywhere. We'll see, though. We'll see. This has been already signaled in the first week of January, first week of the new Congress. Um, something that you you predicted that was going to happen. Um, it's from the Hill. House easily passes resolution to create bipartisan China Select Committee, mm-hmm. which would focus on U.S. You see that in the first paragraph. Committee would focus on U.S. competition with China, mm-hmm. fulfilling a campaign promise Republicans made in the lead up to the midterms. Um, that's with a view to upcoming trade war, <coughs> sanctions against China, and down the road possible kerfuffle over Taiwan. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, Here's a third item, not on Green's list, but I'm sure they all wanted it, right? What makes this especially strange is that we're going to listen to Matt Gates, the sort of spokesman of the Rebel Alliance of the GOP, um, talk about this unexpected success on Fox News. Because <laughs> this is not something he'll, – he'll say this here at the beginning. Let's have a listen. Transparency is the only solution, and it looks like we're going to get some. And that's thanks to the new speaker, Kevin McCarthy, and to the small group of Republicans who pushed him in that direction. Matt Gates of Florida is one of them who joins us now. Congressman, thank you so much for coming on. How gratifying is it to, you didn't want Kevin McCarthy to be speaker, you said it many times, he became speaker, and now he's doing something that you've been calling for. How gratifying is this? Bravo, Speaker McCarthy. This was not an agreement that we had at the beginning of last week, but as the week progressed, Speaker McCarthy, to his great credit, understood this was important to a great many of us. And when we get this 14,000 hours out, we're going to be able to see the extent to which the federal agents and assets that were present that day may or may not have increased the level of criminal acuity. We're going to be able to see their coordination with one another. And we're also going to be able to see if there's exculpatory evidence that would show that people never intended to violate a law, even though they might have been technically out of compliance with whatever the standard was at that time based on the vice president's movements that they probably weren't aware of anyway. It is interesting, though, that at every time from the JFK files to 9-11 to now January 6th, it's our own government. It's our own Department of Justice that seems to stand in the way of transparency. The Speaker of the House is now fulfilling the commitment he made to us, and he deserves a great deal of credit for it. Okay. Amen. That's I enough feel of the that. same way, and I had I'd similar. Uh, that's not, I may have called that wrong. I think he said they didn't initially seek that from McCarthy, yeah, but as the week went on and the votes, maybe well, they did was, get it. It from was. It. I mean, they have been talking about it, like you know. Uh, oh yeah, for sure. Matt Gates wanted that, but I think he's like a little surprised that that's he's pushing that already. Yeah. Again, though, I'm not jumping any gun here. The chances of J six. Uh, insurrection being investigated are slim, but still, it, it, my point is that everything is going their way mm-hmm, mm-hmm. since last week, which is um, very strange. Yeah. Then on top of that, now suddenly Joe Biden has a special counsel called against him for hiding classified documents. Mm. So, like, it's it's been one way traffic for the quote unquote far right of the Republican Party. Yes. Yeah. Since then, and then you look at you look at the look at the media. If you just look at this headline, I and mean, this is just from actually today, this is from uh, today, and it's in okay, it doesn't really matter. That's in the UK Telegraph, but um, was this the week 
Biden lost the next election, you know? So there seems to be a, you know, whether it's just evident, you know, stuff coming to light or whatever, um, that obviously means that Biden wouldn't be eligible, wouldn't be a, wouldn't be appropriate or eligible for, for running uh, in 2024 again, as he says he wants to, supposedly, uh, or whether there's some movement behind the scenes to get rid of him in a certain sense to, to make sure that he isn't eligible, you know, uh, whereas, you know, we know very well, given the Hunter Biden laptop story and, and a bunch of other things, his own, Biden's own, uh, himself's own, his own, uh, of, you know, clear evidence of likely corruption in Ukraine and, you know, probably a host of other uh, misdeeds that have been covered up. They can be covered up. They have been covered up, you know, quite, I mean, cover up in the sense of, okay, it comes out in one way or another for, from various different reports, but nothing is done about it. Mm. Uh, the mainstream media and the political establishment in Washington, D.C. makes it go away. Uh, it doesn't It doesn't gain any traction, right? And inside Congress, especially up until now, I mean, you could turn put all this on the fact that they lost in the midterm elections, they lost control of the Congress, and suddenly there's this uh, massive push. That's to what it. it appears. Right, and that's that's what it is. That, that that's certainly a, a major factor yeah. in it, obviously. But there isn't an awful lot of pushback against it. There's a certain level of seems Clear. to be a certain level of connivance among the Democrat uh, leaders, uh, probably in both Congress and 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 the Senate and the media's Can, coverage of it. And the media obviously falls in line with that then because they do whatever the, whatever the wind seems to be blowing. Uh, they they follow, and um, it seems. Yeah, there's definitely one way or another. There's a move afoot to make sure that Joe Biden isn't eligible for um, a, a re-election in 2024. It doesn't isn't isn't eligible even to put his name in the in the, in the hat basically until uh, for, right. for the next election. Carlson's theory is that um, Joe Biden spoke up around midterms early November to say that he was thinking of running again mm-hmm. when it had been assumed that he wouldn't. He was too mm-hmm. old, right. and it was at that point that this sort of let's have a scandal or let's allow a scandal to percolate to the top of CNN and the mm-hmm. New York Times and the Washington Post was signaled, okay, go ahead. We want to signal to him, and uh-uh, that's not happening. That's not happening, yeah. And the White House, obviously the president is, you know, for most presidents, it's, it's largely a, a ceremonial position. They don't really know much of what's going on behind the scenes. They, don't, they get to know, they're always the last to know. Uh, are often the last to know about certain things. Um, so, I mean, people should know that by now, that, that uh, the office of the president, for most presidents, is a ceremonial position. Um, it's only when you have someone like Trump who com- comes along, isn't a political insider, and decides, you know, it says here I'm the commander-in-chief, I'm going to go ahead and use all of the power that I can possibly, uh, that, that is available to me as, as, as the president to, you know, to do what I want. Basically not fall in line with, the, with what the establishment behind the scenes, the, the intel agencies, the career Democrats and, and Republicans, even, you know, long-term congressmen and senators and, uh, in what they want. Uh, when you push back against that, then you get into a world of world of hurt, world of pain. But as the saying goes, if you strike me down, I will, uh, you will make me more powerful than you can possibly imagine. Um, and that's my Obi-Wan Kenobi reference, uh, which is... You know, I'm not saying it's as, as simple as that, obviously. But the Republicans, what's bizarre, and I said this last week, what's strange for all the denunciation and trashing of Donald Trump, 
over the entire four years even before of his administration, he seems to have had an enduring impact on American politics. He's gone now, and although Matt Gates and others have said, you know, that, and even what do you call him, McCarthy said during the election for Speaker that, you know, Trump was front and centre and, and he has a lot of influence still. And you know? that he backs me. Right. He has a lot of influence because I mean, you have to assume <coughs> the only you know, rational conclusion as to why Trump still has influence and why there are you know, dozens of members of Congress who appear to be hardcore Trumpers is that Trump's message was solid, rational, uh, reasonable, welcome, mm-hmm. uh, welcomed by a large percentage of the, obviously of the Republican electorate, and also more more surprisingly, amongst the Republican politicians, who <clears throat> until now you may have you would have been forgiven for thinking, well, they're just. They're just putting on a show. They're not really, they're rhinos, right? They're not really Republicans. Right. They're, they're just part of the establishment. They're just in it for themselves. They don't really care about the people. But it seems that, the, uh, you know, what Trump was trying to do took took hold and, uh, you know, found fertile ground in their minds and, 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 was, and is practicable. It's, it's something that their policies, and it's an agenda, it's a political perspective, it's a domestic and foreign policy agenda that, can be and in many people's minds should be implemented and makes a lot of rational sense. It's a weird thing to say about, about Donald Trump because when you look at the way he was presented, he was a complete nut job, right? Yeah. He, he had no idea what he was doing. He was a liar. He just lied every time he spoke. He had no idea what he was doing in the White House. He was just feckless. He's just a racist and a misogynist and et cetera, et cetera. And it was just it was deplorable. Four years of deplorableness uh, and nothing got done. And then you look at now and it's like, well, there's a thing called Trumpism. It's a political theory, essentially. It's not a new political theory. It's basically America first. It's, it's in those four letters. Make America great again, i.e. put America first, focus on American needs, stop sending money all over the world. Basically, roll back the American empire to some extent. Uh, at least a little, a little extent, you know. Um, and that's actually part of one of the things that, that's, um, that, that these... Uh, the Freedom Caucus, who's 20-odd, plus a bunch, a lot of other Republicans, yeah. obviously, and even Democrats are supporting, yeah. well, they want to cut back the, 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 the defense budget for 2023 back to, and it's not, it's not oh, radical, it's just keep it at 2022 that levels. Was, that Don't, was yeah. another one I forgot to mention. Right. Yeah, $100 billion slash right. in the defense Which budget. sounds like a lot, except you realize that Agreed it's Agreed by the AOCs 10%. over on the other side of the right. chamber. right. And of course, that means you know. Of course, keeping it at twenty twenty two levels means well. <clears throat> people are worried about Ukraine. What about Ukraine? They're going to lose if we don't keep sending them money. But no, that implies you have to send them more money this year than last year. You know, if you're keeping it at twenty twenty two levels, that means there's still the amount of money that was sent to Ukraine in twenty twenty two is still available in twenty twenty three, right? You're just not allowed to up it. But they do want to up it, obviously, uh, or at least they're making. Sounds recently about about increasing Bradley fighting vehicles and you know obviously Patriot Air Patriot Air Defence and uh, whatever else they can dream up. Um, Maybe I think they're waiting to see what Russia does next. Yeah, um, that's that's another topic for later, I guess. Um, just to clarify, we're not suggesting that Trump. This is the long hand of Trump reaching into Congress. I am suggesting that, yeah. Well, you are, but only with the tacit acknowledgement and acceptance 
not only of the Democrats, but the intelligence community, the permanent members of the deep state, you know, who survive from administration to administration. Mm. With, with their tacit acknowledgement, mm-hmm. they'll never say it. They'll never say Trump was right. But what you're suggesting as part of this theory is that they're putting into action what Trump things wanted, that Trump it? wanted. Yeah, basically a protectionist. But they'll never let him get no, credit for it. No, no. no. basically a, a protectionist. Um, protectionism. Mm, essentially, economically, well, mainly economically, because that, that's, yeah. that's where the rubber hits the road, right? And so part of that is shaft Europe, deindustrialize it, whatever. Absolutely. Attract, do, yeah. Bring German business over here. Right, right. Do whatever you can against, basically play hardball economically with your competitors. And at this point, they've realized that, I think that's the shift, is that they realize that America's competitors are, is more or less everybody else in the world. You know, it's, including it's, the allies of the beautiful, you know, coalition of of the course NATO they're, they're all they're all they're, ripe for the picking as well. It's equal opportunity. It, whether you're Russia or Germany or, or the UK, you're all Doesn't ripe matter. for it's America first. Yeah, exactly. That's is, what yeah. you meant. So they're doing America first, basically. They're do, they're <laughs> was that Trump's slogan as well? America first. I don't know. Yes, somebody's. Yes, well, it also goes back to. He didn't know this, but uh, part of the reason why it's so easy to paint him as a Nazi is that America First was the slogan of the American Nazi Party in the oh, yeah? 1930s. Wow. Yeah. So, it's weird how oops. Um, an idea like that gets so hard. On top of his terrible week, given all these items going against mm. the Democratic president's you know, position and agenda and so on, then, yeah, he, well, he goes to visit the border. But that was... That was <laughs> It was so bad. Biden. Biden, yeah, they cleaned up El Paso, you know, mm-hmm. for his visit. And it was obvious that they did. And everyone in the U.S. got to see it. It was such a Potemkin village moment. You know, where they used to slander the USSR for cleaning things up whenever mm-hmm. the Politburo would come to visit. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was That was so totally backfired. And then classified documents are being found in his home. Mm. Here's another batch and another batch. Oh, my God. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, twenty so far, or there's more to come, or something. The giveaway in that, though, is that if you read the first paragraph or two of any of the stories about this, is that the documents are found and reported up the, behind Biden up the chain of command by his own staffers. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, like it's a scandal, but it's like it's 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 an manufactured. in-house yeah. manufactured, well, it's more carefully evi- cultivated. More evidence that they're trying to uh, retire Biden in advance of Tony, of. of 2024 or whenever the you know next election cycle starts they're, they're trying to retire him make him just not eligible make him you know not eligible for running again basically and, and it's possibly it's possible because because the stuff we've talked about is probably only the tip of the iceberg you know so the documents and I don't know if they'll get very far with a Hunter Biden laptop or Ukraine. Probably not because it goes too far into intel agency operations and all that kind of stuff. Likewise with January 6th. don't think they're going to get very far with that because it implies or implicates the intel agencies and they're untouchable, right? But there's probably a bunch of other stuff about Biden, you know, um, that could come out unless they push him off stage. Hopefully, they, I guess, through the special counsel. Right. Uh, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, that they're worried the, the, the Democrat establishment and even the DNC, the Democrats, but the intel agencies as well who you know have a hand in all this and who how America looks to the world and all that kind of stuff and the, appear, or the perception of the American president. Uh, 
they could be worried that if Biden were to run again and have eight years, that over the course of that time, you know, it could come out that he's, you know, done lots of other very unsavory things. And you wanted to say, listen, let's let's not go there. You know, let's. Uh, They'd like a voluntary retirement on his part. Voluntary retirement, Nixon esque, right? You know, with goes real, out, you know, yeah, with victory. with with good reason for it. If you know what I mean, that he, you know, he did behave badly. He did, you know, commit some mis- make some mistakes, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Uh, enough to to just say bye bye. Um, but the 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 documents thing is hilarious. Like that's pretty much. Well, it's it's not known because it's I mean officially, but it's very likely that every other president that keeping taking home documents mm-hmm. top secret is a nothing. It was always seen as a nothing burger, no big deal. Almost entitled to do it. Like Trump made that allegation or made that claim in his defense that I'm entitled to take any documents I want back mm-hmm. with me wherever well, as, as as president, right? Um, but it's basically a nothing burger. It it doesn't amount to. It's not something that any up until today, up until Trump anybody would have used to attack and try and defame and get rid of or unseat or whatever, impeach or impeach after the fact a president. Uh, but they did it with Trump because they, and it was on the heels of all the other stuff mm. they did to Trump throughout his administration, the Russiagate and the blah, blah, blah. Um, so they still wanted to go after him to get something, you know, to really, you know, bury him completely, right? Even after the fact this year. Um, oh, the arrest in Mar-a-Lago. Oh, yeah, the, the yeah, him taking, his, raid. taking yeah. his documents home and the raid and all that kind of stuff and talking about, you know, criminal charges, etc. Uh, but you do that then, you obviously leave Biden open to the same thing. And any other president, if you wanted to go back in history, he goes, was there any, is there any reporting back, you know, what about Obama, Bush, uh, Clinton? Let's go back to them to see if there's any evidence or any, any can we dig up some evidence that they took documents home as well? Oh yeah, so, you know what I mean. So they're, they're, he's hoisting his own petard in that sense, yeah. where, where they went after Trump, and now it, it applies to Biden. So, yeah. but somebody probably came up with that as a good as a good way just to get rid of Biden. Yeah. Well, there, so, there is an extra element to the classified documents issue with Biden that he had the documents in his home prior to becoming president. Right. Somehow. As VP, yeah. Yeah, he kept them as VP, but even then. Right, so that would have been big deal. that would have been big deal exactly. It is. It, you're talking here about documents that he <clears throat> was allowed to see, keep around as president. He referred to these documents, classified documents, on whatever topic, and then after he's no longer, uh, after he, he he loses or he's no longer president, uh, it's a massive crime to have them still in your house. An impeachable offence. It's nonsense. Yeah. So um, what's interesting though is that. On related topic is is why, um, if if what we're saying is true, why um, Trump wasn't allowed to push through his version of America first, whereas his idea, ideological kind of descendants in the Freedom Caucus. Matt Gates and all those people are allowed to do it, unless it it now is it's bas- so basically the idea is what Trump was saying. There was absolutely nothing wrong with what Trump was saying. It made absolute sense, and it was probably the best thing. His policies were probably the best thing uh, from the point of view of uh, the interest of ordinary Americans. It was the best policy 
his his administration if he had been allowed to do what he wanted to do. He was totally on the right track, far better than what the Democrats, Obama, whoever else has done beforehand, especially in terms of foreign policy, but also domestic policy. Infrastructure, stop sending money overseas, stop engaging in wars overseas, build the country, make jobs, get companies to invest and, and produce here, right? That kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's never a crazy, ridiculous idea, but it was because it was Trump. Mm-hmm. Um, but so now it's so it's fine for them to, continue to 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 run with that idea now. The whole establishment can run with those policies now because it's them running with it, and they can control it. And it can be well, they'll get the benefit from it, right? They'll get the the kudos. There's something about Trump, the person that went beyond. You know what I'm saying? That went beyond uh, uh, those policies themselves and what they, what something they were afraid. Of. I, th- I don't know. I think it. It must be just the, like as much as I derided the office of the of the president there, the, the White House. Um, there's obviously it. Do, it can have a lot of influence and power if it's in the right hands. Yeah. Because even if they don't, he can be denied information and. Obviously, we know intel agencies can carry on operations with no oversight whatsoever, and Congress are a bunch of thieves. But um, if even just the ceremonial position as representing America, every word he would say has impact. You know, yeah. So he couldn't be relied on to say the right words or the words that weren't in keeping with the agenda of the Washington establishment. So he had to go. Uh-huh. Uh, but policies in general can be pursued. His yeah. policies can be pursued as long as it's not under him. That and he would probably have continued being a less aggressive American about – even if it's about MAGA and shafting Europe in some way. Because remember, he was slagging off Germany yeah. for its dependence on um, Russian energy and that was a, you know, a forewarning to what came next. But would Trump have signed off on blowing up Nord Stream? Maybe yeah, not. Maybe not, yeah. Um, he never started – he didn't start any wars, Trump. But did anybody sign off and did Biden sign off? Well, he probably did. Here's an example, Again, here's an example I don't think of something that was just business as usual. But it can't be Trump seen to have succeeded in it. Mm. The U.S. drawdown from Afghanistan was signed by Trump. Right. But that happened only a year later. Right. It was actually blocked at the time. And it was only a year later mm. that Biden, eight months into his, gets to go. I, I took us out of Afghanistan. Mm. Now, that kind of backfired because of the images that came out of it. It looked like the withdrawal from Saigon. But um, you, it, you, might, and it might not have happened that way if Trump had been more of an overseer of it because mm-hmm. he certainly railed against how it went down. Mm. Um, but it was still, it was his baby. Mm-hmm. So when he was doing it, though, oh, the madman, we're never leaving Afghanistan. Mm. That's a crazy idea, absolutely mm-hmm. crazy. And then behind closed doors, it's like, yeah, that's just good. And why, why, <laughs> were they, why were they leaving Afghanistan? Well, we now know Ukraine. Which is interesting because it was six months before, seven, eight months, seven, eight months before uh, Russia invaded Ukraine. So seven or eight months before that actual invasion, the U.S. was in their own, the U.S., and this is from, I think it's from the, who was it? Was it, wasn't Miley, it was somebody from the Pentagon, basically, or the Department, the Secretary of Defense, uh, a few weeks ago said um, that if we did not, leave Afghanistan, we would not have been able to provide the military support that we are to Ukraine, uh, which implies foreknowledge or yeah. you know, a, a, a strong suspicion that this was coming down the pipeline. And of course, that's the case. I mean, they probably expected that. They ex- the, the, the Americans expected the Russian uh, invasion of Ukraine 
and were planning for it and were facilitating it several years ago. They were building up to that situation. Yeah. It's weird to think of it in those terms that America wanted Russia to invade Ukraine. Um, maybe on, a, on their own timeline and maybe when Russia invaded it was a bit too early. Uh, they had a timeline for it so they leave Afghanistan in July, August, whatever, um, uh, 2021, oh, 2022. What year are we 21. In? Sorry. That's August a whole year 21. gone by. Yes, 2021. August. Then, uh, and then maybe a year later would have been good. Summer of 2022 would have been good for Russia to invade Ukraine, but then Russia decides to go in advance on its own time frame and they're not happy about it, so they start screaming and shouting in the media and trying to kind of forestall it in a certain sense. But definitely people... I mean, it's weird to think about it, but... Because you get into, like, the whole thing's planned, right? But in this day and age, a lot of things at that level are planned, you know? Whether you... Whether you whether you think it sounds weird or conspiratorial or too much of a... Too, too, there's too much organisation required in doing that. That's the way things happen. I mean, America has been a, a, a global hegemon and we've been living in the American empire for arguably 70 or 80 years, you know, and so there's a lot of coordination of events that occur in, in the empire that, uh, you know, that are planned well in advance. A lot of events that appear to just occur in the empire are well-coordinated well beforehand because they have the ability to do it if you have the ability to coordinate something you coordinate it you know um, that doesn't mean you control Russia etc blah 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 but it definitely means that and we know there's strong circumstantial evidence that America was after the coup in 2014 in Ukraine uh, that they were arming and training and equipping and funding the Ukrainian military building it up in order to pose a threat to Russia which I mean that's not a, much of a stretch right because that would just that would just be seen as America you know, this is their almost peer enemy, let's say, that threatens American hegemony. Let's, let's, let's attack. How, how can we attack uh, Russia today or this year? What's our plan for attacking Russia this year? Because they're our enemy and China, you know. Uh, and you say, well, Ukraine's good, good option there, you know what I mean? I mean, it's right on Russia's border and it's, you know, we can easily, the, the, the political uh, system and the, the political figures there are amenable, they're easily persuadable. So why don't we use Ukraine to put a bit of pressure on Russia? Um, and so you do that, you start building up the Ukrainian military, and then you go, well, if we keep doing this, Russia's probably going to do something about it. And then as the time passes, you realize, yeah, Russia is going. And years in advance, you realize that that's going to be the obvious. If, if you haven't assumed it beforehand as part of the plan, you realize very quickly that what you're doing is going to provoke Russia to ultimately invade Ukraine. So... It's not like some wahaha. We have this grand plan. It's simply, you know, it's it's geopolitics. Yeah. It's the outplaying of geopolitics. And you, in hindsight, it was happening under our noses. Right. Just a, they're smart at not drawing attention to it. Yeah. And the control of international financial markets and media or a large influence helps mm -hmm. in that respect because that's how a billion Westerners wake up on February twenty fourth, twenty twenty one, and go, "Good God, what just happened?" Twenty twenty two. Twenty two. Look at that Putin madman. He just invaded his neighbor mm. out of the blue. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, where the it's fuck so pathetic, were you like, lot for the last eight years? 16,000 people dead, you know? Yeah. It wasn't just out of the blue. Do you want to flesh out the addendum to your Obi-Wan Kenobi theory? Um, I don't have an addendum to that. There is, I? because you gave, you gave it to me later in the week. No, Maybe it's a step too far. Maybe it's too conspiratorial or too, it gets too vague at that point. But you were suggesting to me that the Republicans are going to get 
are in the process of, of likely in the process in this next two terms and possibly then in 2024 with the next presidential election of getting what they want. It's going to be MAGA-style Congress. Mm. And in practice, too, MAGA-style strategic developments on the world stage for the U.S. empire. But what you suggested was that this is a setup for the fall whereby when it goes to to hell in the handbasket, who's going to be getting the blame for it? Mm. The Republicans. Right. Yeah, and, well, and Trump and conservatism and Trumpism generally. Right. It's it's be the, the it, last it laugh. was the selfish MAGA. Look, I look after me and number one mm-hmm. uh, that crashed the economy. That crashed the, the economy. Yeah. just the U.S. and or global system, probably globally. Well, because well of, if it's American, it's if the U.S. economy collapses, it's global. Yeah, but yeah, uh, it just that that would seem to be. I mean, if you assume that the <laughs> like the economic uh, forecast, I, you know, have to assume it. The economic forecasts uh, for the for the international community, let's say for the Western world, mm. are not good, and they have been repeatedly not good. We've been given dire warnings of impending economic doom repeatedly for I don't know how far you go back, but certainly over the past year or six months. Over and over again, we've been told recession coming, serious problems, and yeah. problems in food prices. Obviously, with all of the geopol- geopolitical aspects around Ukraine, cutting off Europe from uh, Russian cheap Russian oil and gas, and forcing it to be dependent on American uh, gas in particular and oil, um, is is not good. You know, so if you assume that that's following a trajectory that it's going somewhere, and it seems to be, then. Um, it makes sense on the one hand why the establishment, the Washington establishment, would get on board with a protectionist um, approach from from these Republicans uh, that control Congress, because it makes sense. It it makes very practical sense in this new world. Because like Putin talked about a multipolar world that basically part the Ukraine invasion was part of the first step or a major step in transitioning from a unipolar world dominated by America to a multipolar world. Uh, where the pie is shared. Now, if the pie is shared, America loses immediately because it had the lion's share of it. But we may be in a multipolar world right now. It's not It's not like coming down the line. It's not like in 10 years or something like that. It's more or less now that the, the, the changes towards a multipolar world aren't all, all going to happen at once. It's not just one change from one day to the next. Obviously, mm-hmm. it happens progressively. The Americans get wind of that and realize this. And There's a little bit of real, realism still available to them, uh, to the, you know, the establishment. DC establishment, uh, where they realize they have to restructure, they have to change their approach to how they did business in the world, how they run, ran the empire, uh, by basically pulling back from the empire because the no, empire is no longer reliable. They have no longer the same amount of control as they had for many decades before now. And when you don't have that control, it means you, you do. To protect yourself, you have to pull back because bad things, you know, bad things can happen, you know. Um, and that... Uh, uh, includes economically, you know, you have to start playing more. Instead of handing out, uh, you know, imperial imperial cookies bribes. or bribes or whatever, uh, you start cutting that off because the people you're giving bribes to, they're they're not reliable anymore. Yeah, they're not, not your partners. They're yeah. not your your vassals anymore. They they're, take your bribe and then they go to the G20 and shake hands with Putin right, and agree to right. a massive oil deal or whatever. Right. Yeah. So it makes sense that people would... Um, 
let the Americans, the whole establishment would would be as even as much as the Democrats are reluctant to agree with anything Republican, especially the hardcore ones like Shifty Eye Schiff and uh, Chuck Schumer and people like that, um, and that little penguin guy. Uh the guy who should have played the penguin in Batman movies, Nadler. Yeah, Nadler. Jerry Nadler. People like him, as much as they're reluctant, they realize as well, or they're being told by the people in the know and intelligences, listen, this is probably a good idea. We need to do. We do need to change our, our, our approach to uh, how we run the empire, basically. And we need to institute some cutbacks uh, because it's not so reliable out there. It's a bit of a jungle out there now, you know. Uh, so, and so at the same time, though, um, the the policies that they would pursue under the aegis of that kind of American protectionism may provoke some kind of a, like, we, like you mentioned at the beginning of the show, may provoke some kind of a an upset or kerfuffle or whatever with China uh, that may lead China to take Taiwan. And if that happens, there's various different things could happen that would set the whole global economy, well, would give it a serious shake and maybe tilt it on its ass, basically. Um, and in that so it's it's going that it seems to be going that direction anyway. Mm. So while on the one hand it makes sense for the establishment to get on board with this protectionism, they probably a lot of them or some of them anyway know that things economically things are going going pretty pretty bad anyway, and that who better to have uh, in control of uh, American foreign policy in this shift in American foreign policy, which is supposed which is supposedly meant to protect America, but will actually end up or could be construed as having ended up destroying the American economy or causing a global economic crash that upended the American economy or whatever. Um, I can see, well, I can definitely see the day coming where they blame Trump for it. Yeah. And it'll have been eight years, you know, since Trump was anywhere near the White House. Yeah. But it's still his fault. Right. I mean, last week in Brazil, that was Trumpism. Like right. Trump personally was at fault for that, you know. Yeah. Well, Brazil was interesting because... I mean, I, I'm more than happy for people to say that it was exactly the same as January 6th. It was just a, a, a South American version of the January 6th uh, insurrection, um, if you accept what the January 6th insurrection actually was. And I don't think we'll get much out of these uh, these tapes. 14, what is it, 14,000 hours of tapes? Who's uh-huh. going to watch all those? Anyway, yeah. uh, the what, what actually, what January 6th very clearly was, if you have any ability to kind of like just read between the lines over the past ex- uh, three or four years, January 6th was a deliberate attempt to demonize Trump in the same way they wanted to, you know, frame him up for Russia. They wanted to frame him up for stealing uh, classified documents, uh, et cetera, et cetera. Um, January 6th was an attempt to do that. You weaponize a crowd of supporters, infiltrate them, turn them into a bunch of rioters, and then, boom, get the news cycle going, and he's demonized. as a. So, yeah, it looks to me that uh, the same approach was taken to Bolsonaro. Right. Uh, Bolsonaro was holding out, at least his supporters were holding out, claiming fraudulent election. It was, it was almost like exactly the same. The, the allegations around, the, 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 you know, yeah. the, the substance of both were exactly the same in Brazil. Allegations there was even by a right guy wing with the horns. I know, yeah. And the face paint. How did that happen? Bare-chested tattoos. I, I think that was a put-up. Ha- either the guy himself decided to do it because they were emulating, you know, and that's possible, they were emulating January 6th because of the media coverage of it, or someone was bossing in, and there is... There I are questions in the in the Brazilian media about who was and in the Western media as well about who was bossing in all these people, these bosses that came from no one knows where. Well, yeah, I read a report about it, so it's quite detailed. Brazilian intelligence, oh, there he is. 
Yeah, it was There's the soft picture of the day. The American or the Brazilian. That's a guy last chairman. January 8th. It was just after our show, actually, the news broke. That's why we're only talking about it now. Brazil's shaman. And it's weird is that it was, it, it's going to go down there as G8. Yeah. And like, why yeah, January yeah. for them? Their election was in October, yeah. yeah. But the reason it was, it came to a head in DC two years ago was because on that day was the last chance for Congress to reject yeah. the electoral votes. For inauguration, yeah. um, Hence the pressure and the, the rally mm-hmm. to, uh, in DC that day. But in this case, it's done and dusted. There was a ceremony last week and Lula has, you know, it took place here where they ended up rioting. But it was, it was done and dusted. It was a week later. The place was empty. Yep. So someone chose the day close to J6. I don't see any other reason for why they chose. They, they should have done it surely during the inauguration of Lula. Yeah. Prior. But anyway, the two days prior to this, Bolsonaro leaves in Brazil. Goes to Florida. Or maybe a, maybe a week short because he, well, he didn't turn up for the inauguration like Trump. And therefore, in a sense, was, you know, flicking his, uh, he's saying, I don't approve of this handover of power. Traditionally, one gives a sash, a presidential sash to mm. the next. He didn't do that. So he takes off to Florida. And I thought, what's up with that? Why is he going to the U.S. of all places? Um, uh, with other people, I think other cabinet members and so on, including someone who's now returned to Brasilia, capital of Brazil, and been arrested. He was a minister and head of security, therefore, for the Brasilia government complex. For some reason, he's being investigated, even though the transition, the handover of power had already taken place. But the, that's, the guy who was in charge of security there under Bolsonaro returned yeah. and has been arrested. But it's a problem. Um, it's a problem. Someone with influence in more than outside of, let's say, it's, Anders, it's in America – uh, the resistance to populism, basically. Uh, the establishment is very resistant to the idea of populism or nationalism, any nationalistic or populist uh, ideologies. And someone... Um, I have some... Someone has influence outside of America who you know, who, who also doesn't like it in other countries. So, Kim, you're talking about imperial designs here, right? Uh, but um, the reason Bolsonaro... The reason Trump... Was demonized, or that that setup of January six was was played out, and on why it happened in Brazil was for exactly the same reason. There's someone with a lot of influence decided that it, they weren't going to allow uh, that kind of a movement to uh, have free free reign or free to, to to flourish. Let's say that it had to be demonized. So it doesn't matter when you do it, because it wasn't that it was right. it wasn't about overturning the election. Right, right, right. There it's were about so many demonizing, in the same January 6th, about demonizing Trump. It wasn't about changing the election. No, and, 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 and ending the protest movement, because that's what happened. In, that's probably what's going to happen in Brazil now. There yeah. were major protests all over the country, um, including outside military barracks. So people were like chanting at the, at the military to step in and intervene. They wanted a military coup to declare this election null and right. void. Um, so that's probably going to have the same. Besides the symbolic effect of demonizing the, the individual and therefore the lightning rod for the movement, Jerry Bolsonaro, it's going to have probably the practical effect of killing yeah. that protest movement. They're deplorable. These it's are people who now. don't have any, any, any position in, in, in civil society. Now. They'll make arrests. They won't right. let the protest flourish so right. much. They'll so it's, 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 cra- it's cracking down it's on, a, on an ideology, the ideology of populism or nationalism. 
I, you know, what, 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 what defines Bolsonaro? Resistance well, it, against imperialism, decisions, not, decisions uh, that affect the Brazilian people, for example, should be taken with, within Brazil by the authorities in Brazil, not imposed from without. That's why he was against the whole COVID lockdowns and mandates and why he got in trouble for that. And that's part of the reason he, was, he became persona non grata, because that's his, his belief. His belief is in nationalism and populism, the will of the people, me as their president, deciding, and we all together decide what's best for us in this country, and fuck the rest of you. And screw your WAF, screw your World Health Organization. You know what I mean? Okay, we'll listen to what you say, but we're making decisions here, and that's not allowed. Yeah. So there's a... Do you realize there's no one else saying, seeing who sees it as we do? That I've seen. I'm sure many people have thought it, but there's no, like, influential figures. Like, all the reporting of the, whether it's mainstream or alternative reporting you're either on Lula's side so to speak because you've been traditionally anti-empire mm-hmm. classic lefty workers rights right and Lula they remember from the early 2000s Brazil's economy grew uh, it was Lula was good for Brazil mm-hmm. and they remember that in the 2000s mm-hmm. and they argue he was unfairly shafted and framed and went to prison unfairly mm-hmm. then you've got the other side which is like no, no, no. This is this is definitely a setup for Bol- Bolsonaro. Um, uh, the election was rigged. Yeah, that's what people don't understand. There's a huge like Twitter just <laughs> deleted on mass on Brazilian Twitter any references to the elections being rigged. That's why people are protesting. They think this was there's no way that Lula actually won popular vote last October. Right. Um, but that. But anyway, but times change. You know, is the thing. Times change, and in a world. That is increasingly, you know, insecure. That is perceived as being, an, the world is increasingly uh, frightening and insecure. There's all sorts of economic threats. There's environmental threats. People are being bombarded with with uh, with those, uh, that kind of fear-mongering uh, over and over again and have been for several years in particular. What happens is that in any country, people tend to want to group together. They tend to close the doors. And say what so you're saying the whole world's a crazy place. There's immigration. There's wars. There's there's climate disaster. You know there's pandemics. Pandemics. Well, the natural instinct is to circle the wagons. Natural instinct is protectionism. Is to because people perceive rightly or wrongly that there's threats outside of their in the world out there, and we need to kind of like cl- close the close down a little bit. You know, you see and, it happening and some, in Ireland now, right? And people and somebody doesn't want that to happen. Uh, they want access to the minds of everybody. They don't want any closed minds, let's Open say. societies. Right. Um, Did I send you that CNN link? It's got some details on the thing about the buses. This isn't just a rumor. Um, and that's a long article, damn it, CNN. Um, bus. Yeah, do a search for bus. The article title, Command your um, troops, damn it, how a series of security failures opened a path to insurrection. In insurrection. Brazil. Yeah, right, CNN. Insurrection. Oh, Love insurrection. Last eight hours. So here's second last paragraph there. <clears throat> Brazil's intelligence agency said it issued daily alerts ahead of the January 8th to the government and the federal district government where all these buildings were located, warning the protests would be large and violent. Okay, Their intelligence was based on a warning raised by the country's transport agency that an unusual volume of buses had been chartered to Brasilia. Mm-hmm. And the government was notified so by the intelligence. So they knew it was going to be somebody let that happen. And it was funny on the day I was seeing, like like I said, pro-Lula or pro-Bolsonaro people spin the same images 
according to their worldview of how they see it, mm-hmm. they were like, look, there's video footage here. The police are taking photos with them. They're letting them in. That did happen, mm-hmm. 100%. But the Bolsonaristas are also correct in that four hours into what happened, the rioting, they were also arrested. There were 1,500 arrests, and they're mm-hmm. still banged up. There's going to be similar J6-style yeah. tr- show trials going on in Brazil. But, that's, what, now, but that's, why, that's why Bolsonaro got out of there as well, because, you know, the nature of the He wanted to be distanced from it. Maybe he well, got not just distanced from it. He, he, he wanted to stay out of jail himself. Okay. I mean, Lula was in jail. You know what I mean? It's, right, uh, it's a bit right, of a tradition there right. that, that whenever, you're, dog whenever you're out, uh, you probably did something wrong because you could vote it out, so you're going to jail, we're going to start a court case, and that, yeah, you'll end up in jail. So he's out of there, like... Um, because he knows the nature of Brazilian politics. I but wonder, did he leave, though, because he knew that what they were about to do there. So He, didn't he probably got wind of it, you know. Entry. But, um, but uh, Lula has been has to pay the piper now, you know. He got saved. He got his ass saved, basically. Basically, by he the got, CIA types. He, yeah, he got installed, effectively, indirectly by, by foreign interests. So he owes them now. He's their boy now. Yeah. So forget about his uh, lefty, anti-imperial, anti-war past. Like. And his pro-BRICS thing. Mm. Well, he was a founding signatory to BRICS, right. Lula. But he may, and he may keep that up. But he's talking about, you know, renewing our alliance with Russia and China. But um, he's, he, yeah, he owes them. He owes yeah. the globalists. Yeah. The economic thing is, is, is open because I think, like I said, they're planning for, people are expecting some kind of, or powers that be are expecting some kind of an economic disaster. And all of those... Um, all of those considerations about you know the economic ties, bricks, all that kind of stuff are going to be to a large extent moot. If you know what I mean, there's a there's a bigger there's a bigger uh, bigger bigger show going down. That's not where it's at. You know, that's not going to make any difference to a global economic crisis, um, and everybody will have feel the urge to kind of uh, go into defence mode. You know. But a lot of them won't be able to is a problem because they're dependent. Countries that can will. Countries that can't are screwed. Right. Because um, then it's open, it's open competition. Oh, you know? oh, uh, if you're looking for handouts and everybody else is. The, the, for me, the, this Brazil issue just it shows how insoluble, as you often say, political problems are at local or macro scales I mean does he not Maduro Venezuela's president he's still there he survived the Guaido bizarre coup of sorts he survived assassinations with drones he survived a lot of economic bullshit thrown out by the US and including Trump he's like uh, pro Lula, hundred percent. He's talking in the same language. This, this was an attempt at a fascist coup mm. in Brazil. You know, this is and this is Washington doing it, supporting the protesters to help Bolsonaro, my dear, right. not the other way, not in the way we've described. And okay, so practically, what's he suggesting? He's calling for a renewed, a renewal of the old kind of direction that Latin America was moving in before Mercosur, mm-hmm. maybe even one currency eventually, a kind of an EUification of South America. That's what he would like to see. So, yes, maybe not BRICS-level cooperation, but mm-hmm. we're closing in, but we'll stick together and we'll, we'll, we'll survive it. We'll ride this out if we are South America together. Mm-hmm. But how the hell is that going to work? If you're, you're supporting such an egregious lie, like 
the fact is Brazilians didn't vote for Lula. You, you can't just wash that away and pretend to carry on business as usual in how you see the world. That, that's a foobar. Maybe not immediately, but down the road, that's, there's no coming back. It's like for the U.S. It, it's on a trajectory now mm-hmm. where people were shafted. I mean, mm-hmm. it's not the will of the people at all. Mm-hmm. No good can come out of this. No, but you have to have something coming along. You have to expect that something's coming along that will make that all irrelevant, you know, to give, give, basically give, give people something else to think about. Okay. You they're, get, they're no longer... Something that makes your stolen election seem like small potatoes. Okay. So the culture war is about to end up like just a nothing burger. Well, it'll remain relevant, of course, but yeah. it's... Um, yeah, it won't be what well. people will be screaming for about more of the basics. Right. Well, that's it. You just downgrade. You just Food, shelter. Lower the, lower the bar, if you know what I mean, uh, in terms of uh, what people have to complain about, you know. Yeah. Um, people are complaining about, uh, you know, about, uh, I don't know, the color, that there's not enough colors of uh, new cars to buy, whatever. You know, you know there's way too much freedom there. You know, it's like, First world problems. You give these people some second world problems, and then some third world problems, because they'd be much less likely to, you know, the the, the the higher the scale and the problems you have, uh, the much less time and energy you have for complaining about anything else, because you're basically focusing on solving those problems, you know, those essential uh, problems. Um, and that's in, what by design or by just by the natural. Course of things. Course of things. That's that seems to be where, where it's going, you know. Um, and they're planning for it, you know. It seems to be anyway. The elite, elite are, are planning for that. Um, right. Of course, their plans may not work out the way they're planning, of course, but uh, they're still planning. Um, <laughs> Hector Garcia, fifty-six people watching. Indeed, indeed, only fifty-six. But uh, you watch the space. Who's Hector Garcia? I have no idea. Mm. Commentary here. I think he's he's he's, put a, he's laughing at that. Indeed, there's only 56 people watching, but no one else has even come close to just uh, to, to figuring out what's going on in Brazil. Not even close. It's either left or right. You're either pro Lula, pro Bolsonaro. No one sees it. And we're still and we're still waiting for someone to point out the like this shift in U.S. politics. There was one article, I found one, and this, this is hilarious because, you know, we're Russian trolls because we just believe everything that emanates from the Kremlin. Mm-hmm. Other way around, man, I've seen one article on RT by an analyst there, I forget his name, it's come close to realizing that what's going on lately in Congress and the, in the U.S. signals a shift that will absorb what Trump wanted, but quietly. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Um, do you want to talk about uh, boom 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 the war in Ukraine I the, the, the day is approaching surely isn't it the cut off point uh, you shared that tweet with me yesterday about the from Zakharova yeah suggesting it was a final warning about U.S. weapons shipments into Ukraine. Mm-hmm. Um, but she was basically, po- I won't find it now, she basically pointed out, and they've done it before, but she very pointedly said that, you know, not only will the weapons become fair target, 
the Western soldiers and engineers stationed with the weapons will also be fair target. Mm-hmm. It makes you wonder how many of them have been inside Ukraine effectively conducting battlefield operations or assisting in the that the Russians have specifically avoided hitting because there's too many American or British or French or German military personnel stationed around them. Do, yeah. Have they gone out of their way so far to give as much chance as possible? I, I do wonder to not hit those systems and only and maintain the you know the image the illusion that this is Ukraine versus Russia and only hit Ukrainian operated systems. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think so because also, I mean if they're if they're if they if the West feels it if NATO feels it's uh, entitled to you know put any kind of systems in, in Ukraine to kill Russian troops then that's for for a game you know what I mean but um, and they have been of course I mean they've been destroying American howitzers and all that kind of stuff but that's all they've been given you know uh, artillery mostly and um, they're starting they're talking now about giving tanks you know um, there's uh, oh, something a bit like, more than that Apache helicopters well they're talking about that now as well um, the British have sent something Challenger tanks Going just to. a few of them. Um, the they're, Patriot missiles, of course. They're not there yet, though. They're not there, but they want to bring Yuki's over to train them in Oklahoma. They announced <clears> that. Takes a few months. Um, At least. But d- does it not suggest that we're approaching a cutoff point where Russia's like, well, they seem to be taking it to the next level? You know? Yeah. Um Russia, well, I mean, we talked about this last week about uh, Soldar and Bakhmut. Um, no, Soldar has fallen since then. Right. Uh, so basically in East Ukraine, um, there's these two key, key towns, more or less. I mean, there's other towns around and stuff, and they haven't completed the full uh, the full operation of what they need to do, basically, at the, at this point. But there's towns that are just, they're still in, uh, in, in Donbass, in the Donbass area, so Russia's original goal was to control uh, Donbass. Um, that, that's part of their initial stated primary objectives was to control Donbass and uh, protect Donbass and Crimea, and they're still in process of doing that. Um, but this week, when they took Soldar, which Soldar, and probably within the next week or two, they're probably going to already the Ukrainians are leaving Bakhmut. Those two towns are right beside. Uh, if you take those towns, you control a kind of main artery of uh, supply, a supply line, a main road, supplying weapons to that area, basically, or to the east of Ukraine. So they cut off that supply line. Uh, so they're obviously focusing on cutting off supply lines. That's been an agenda all along, but it takes a while to get there, basically, to get to the point where we were able to do that. So they've been achieved. They've made some significant uh, inroads in achieving. Uh, that both goals of basically protecting Donbass and and liberating all of Donbass and um, and cutting off at least one section of the supply routes from Western Ukraine. There's a massive amount of troops in Belarus who've been there for several months, mobilising, etc. Russian troops and Belarusian troops. Uh, the only likely, the only really plausible reason why that's happening is for uh, an offensive south from there into the west of Ukraine to cut off 
the the kind of first section, let's say, of the of the supply route, uh, the main supply routes from Poland of of NATO weaponry. Um, so yeah, it's gearing up to to that, and it's happening like as I mean, you see in response to that, they the start talking about Apache helicopters and sending tanks, and also, there's like hundreds, maybe a thousand, two thousand, thousand. The various EU countries, various NATO states in Europe have something like 1,200 uh, Leopard, German Leopard tanks that, you know, are in poten- potentially available. Um, but a lot of countries are stalling. Some of them are saying, now, yeah, we'll give some and blah, blah, blah. But it's very piecemeal, you know. Um, and Russia just carries on, you know. Okay, it gets delayed by these moves of NATO, etc. But the outcome is... Is, is a foregone conclusion to this mm. conflict, which is that Russia will achieve what it wants to achieve. So what's the point in, what will, if it goes on for another year, which I don't think it will, but say it goes on for another six months, 18 months, what will have been the result? What will have been the goal or the, what will have been the, the benefit to anyone uh, from, from this conflict? Certainly it's none of the benefits that are being talked about and the benefits that people th- think will be achieved and what many people are fighting for. The, peop- the Ukrainian soldiers and Ukrainian civilians, th- what they think they're fighting for and what they're supporting, none of those are going to be achieved. Of course, there is a benefit, which is that large amounts of money, particularly taxpayer money, uh, American and European taxpayer money, goes to weapons manufacturers, which then comes back to members of uh, the p- uh, political class uh, via lobbyists. So it's one big, one big club, and you're not in it type thing, you know. Um, so that's the obvious. That's ultimately that's the, going to be the only, the only result. Um, the only positive result will be for, for the West. For the West, will be filling the pockets of defense contractors and the political allies. That's already happening, and there's there can't yeah. there'll be a benefit for Russia, but Russia had its goals in mind at the very beginning, and it will achieve its goals. Europe, what are they going to achieve? Not a lot. They'll be net. Losers in this con- in this in this conflict, but they carry on anyway because ultimately you have to decide. Then you have to assume then that politicians don't care about the welfare of the ordinary people in uh, Europe. What they're doing, they're pursuing this war, they're fueling this war, and helping to continue this war for their own personal profit and aggrandizement and power, as they see it. <clears throat> so um, yeah, but that seems to be that's that's to happen. That's to that's to play out. Russia, there's going to be. There's more stuff to happen in Ukraine. It's not over yet. There's more uh, fairly major events to, to occur. But like yesterday, they fired another salvo of uh, missiles um, at infrastructure um, in Ukraine, critical infrastructure, military infrastructure, et cetera, in Ukraine. Yeah. Um, and they kind of changed their tactics in a certain sense from previous missile salvos where instead of one wave, it was they did it in two waves, and obviously it's it's fairly simple military strategy. It's like the Ukrainians do have some, you know, a certain amount. We don't know exactly how much because all of the claims made by the Ukrainian government, Zelensky, etc., in the aftermath of these missile salvos, is yeah, we shot down like eighty percent of the missiles, but there's no, you don't see very much. You see very very little videos, and there's lots of cell phones and stuff, but very little videos of any missiles being shot down or any air defense defense actually happening. But there is some air defense in Ukraine, so what the Russians do, did this time was to uh, fire, well not fire, but they launched drones in the direction of where the missiles were going to go, uh, and those drones then are provoke 
the response, air de- yeah. the, well, the air defense, yeah. whatever air defense the Ukrainians have, they provoke those, and then they get to, to see with radar, etc. They get to see where the air defense is. And the second wave of actual missiles can target, can include those air defense systems as targets in the strike. Um, but of course, the only response the Kiev authorities have to that is to not respond to the drones. But then the drones hit. You know what I mean? So Russia can have it either For Russia, either way is good. You know, you can either take our bait and expose your air defense systems by trying to shoot down the drones, or you can keep them quiet and we don't find out where they are, but then our drones hit the targets that we're going to hit anyway, so you don't get to shoot down the drones. And then in any case, your air defenses are pretty crap, so most of our missiles that we send in the second wave even if you try and shoot them down, are, are going to reach their targets. So it's pretty, yeah, it's pretty bad for, for Ukraine. It's bizarre. It's just, it is, the whole thing has been a meat grinder from the get-go, like, what for Ukrainians. What do you Ukrainians. think of, um, Colonel McGregor reckons that Bakhmut and Solidar, that yeah. 80 kilometers of defense line, mm-hmm. they've sort of almost deliberately gone slow and turned it into a mousetrap where they were like, yeah, yeah, keep, keep sending, come on. We're not moving. We're just staying here. You just keep sending. And that, that's resulted in, well, some crazy figures, like 25,000 casualties as well, the high-end casualties, not just de- dead and wounded, but mm-hmm. um, whole brigades wiped out. Because mm-hmm. remember, that t- tiny town, Solidar, is 10,000 people. Mm-hmm. So, well, most of those people have long since fled. But that gives you an idea of the number of buildings you can, you can occupy. Um, and yet, brigade wave after wave of people up and thrown at it mm-hmm. to liberate it from the Ukrainian side. Mm-hmm. Um, and that began in August, mm-hmm. a fight for that town. Yeah, it was on it's, and off. Yeah. Five months for 10,000. 10, it's, it's well, it wasn't, it wasn't continually in conflict since August. Okay. It was the latest offensive was, is a few weeks old, but um, it's, uh, well, what are they, they going to do? The Ukrainians are going to fight or they're going to give up? You know, well, they can retreat, and they have retreated from that area, and I think they're retreating from Bakhmut right now because they're not willing to... Uh, it's really bad, like, they're not willing to um, lose large, you know, even more soldiers for for, 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 for no gain, basically. For, but then what's, you know... It's like, this is like Second World War uh, um, strategies. It's Second World War... Uh, Second World War warfare, basically, you know what I mean? Where you're just... The Ukrainians in particular are just throwing bodies at artillery shells for what just to say that we we, we, we resisted yeah. and they're not allowed to apparently in Kiev nobody's allowed to uh, see sense and negotiate any kind of surrender they might be forced to but well not until the last Ukrainian but what right? if those troops well what but before then though realistically those troops are going to turn around and go back to Kiev no mutiny but, well, that, uh, Maybe. that is something Putin expressly yeah. wished for. Yeah, yeah. A year ago when it started. Yeah. It's just it's taken so long to get to that point. Um, yep. Well, the thing is, you have to remember that this is, again, getting back to the, the, the genesis of this conflict was um, after 2014, the coup in Ukraine, the US-backed <coughs> coup in, in Kiev that installed a client regime, basically, a Western client regime in Kiev, with the express purpose of building up the Ukrainian military, which they did. Poroshenko's on record as saying that NATO 
built up the Ukrainian military since 2014. I think he was saying in 2017 or 18. Uh, they've been building it up, and they built it up for the, the following few years. And they they put most of the troops, or they built most of the defences or, or, or in, in installations, military installations, like as in bunkers, uh, trenches, fortified positions, all that kind of stuff, on that contact line that you see now. We showed the, the, the contact line last week uh, in the east of Ukraine. Um, because the whole point of that was to invade Eastern Ukraine and ideally Crimea and take them back, quote-unquote, and then from there, you know, threaten Russia. Um, so most of the infrastructure and most of the places were that the Ukrainians have, most of the, most of the effort and energy and they put into, you know, building their their defences or their, not so much defences, but their installations, their military installations, is along that line. That's why most of the fighting is there, because that's where they set themselves up, basically. Yeah. Um, you know, they, it's kind of weird. You know, they didn't. It's 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 very it's a very strange situation. Uh, they didn't. They. <laughs> the Ukrainians, the fact that they are along that contact line, which is just outside, along more or less the the borders of Donbass. Make, makes it pretty clear that that was their intent. That was that was a, a, a an offensive move that began in 2014. They started to do that in t- 2014, building positions along the border of bon- Donbas in order to attack Donbas, invade Donbas, and then Crimea. Um, so. That's where they. That's where their fight. Their fight is now. But they're now they're in. A, they're more or less in. They're using those formerly offensive positions as defensive positions. Right. And once that fa- <coughs> once that falls, they don't really have much of any significance in other parts of the country in the West because they never expected to. The whole building up of the NATO of uh, the NATO build up of of the Ukrainian military was designed as offensive. They didn't build it up over, since over the past eight years from two thousand fourteen as from the point of view of a defensive defensive installments across the whole country to stop a Russian invasion. Yeah. They set it up as an offensive operation yeah. it, uh, on it, Donbass line, on the line of Donbass. Yeah. And it, it exposes the lie of twenty fourteen that right. the Russians, quote, have invaded Ukraine. Right. They didn't. Yeah. Remember we mentioned the, it before, the NATO inspectors went and they found zero Russians yeah. and zero Russian equipment. Yeah. It was purely a local issue. And so Kiev actually, behind all the media garbage of that time, they went, hmm, Russians are not stepping in here. Yeah. Awesome. Even, in fact, they're calling for ceasefire and they're pulling Zakashenko and all the other uh, Donbass leaders up to Minsk for talks. Mm -hmm. Merkel agreed. Uh, The other guy, Hollande, Flambe, he's like, great guys, this is excellent. We've got the Russians to basically cease and desist. Now we'll just... Carry on. Spend the time building up yeah. uh, an offensive force if, for you to take back what's yours. If they're expecting an Russian invasion, they would have had defensive installations all across Ukraine. Yeah. Why don't they have them? Because they went on the offensive. And Russia responded to, at the last minute almost, uh, before it got too late, they responded to that obviously planned offensive operation by Ukraine slash NATO against Russian, ethnic Russians in Donbass and Crimea by extension, and then potentially they saw, well, listen, if they take over Donbass and take back Crimea, then they're right in the border of Russia. We're not having that. No country in the world would allow that. An aggressive 
country with a, a, a NATO-trained army on their borders with clear intent to cause you problems, nobody's going to accept that, and you're going to move in and try and stop them. That's what they've done. And, yeah. So, I don't know. If you look, when we looked at it last week, they don't have a lot of... Most of them are on that contact line. Most of the Ukrainian military are on that con- along that contact line. So they can't just leave them there and let them be slaughtered because then it would be the complete collapse of the Ukrainian military. They have to move them out. They uh, have to retreat, and they are in the process of retreating from, from, the, from those two areas in particular. Uh, they've left Soldar and they're leaving from Bakhmut right now. Um, but that's all, in a certain sense, that's just one move by the Russians, and the Russians appear to have another plan, which is to, at some point in the near future, to definitively cut off the source of this conflict, which is NATO arms supplies. Right. Checking in with the Washington media, the Atlantic headline yesterday, Ukraine will win, will win if it keeps getting better weapons. Mm. Did you see how they're thinking from their side, and the Russians are like, well, then we will win if we stop them well, from getting better Yeah, weapons. but the most important part, point of Part of that sentence is keep getting what was it? Better weapons. Better weapons. Who's 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 saying that? The Atlantic. Who, who are they speaking for? The defense contractors. Yeah. The people who are producing weapons. It's like you know, change the commodity. You know, to like cheese or something. You know, and it's coming from the cheese conglomerate, <laughs> the Global Cheese Organization. You know, well, yeah, we're selling a product here, basically. You know what I mean? And we need to keep, you know, uh, pushing our product because it's good for business, man. That's how sad the whole thing is, you know. There's all reams and reams of words and written and spoken about all the nuances of this and democracy and free. And they don't realize it's way, way more simple than that, you know. It's just pure greed, pure personal profit. That's what's behind it all. People clothe it in all sorts of fanciful notions and freedom and democracy and, you know, with poor Ukrainian people fighting for the freedom of the world. I mean, how delusional can you be like? Those people have no insight whatsoever. They have zero insight. Zero ability to penetrate through a, a, a facade of utter bullshit. They just look at it and go, that's real, that's true. And they don't, they don't have any senses, you know. No insight means no senses. And these people are so bad that they don't even have the normal five basic senses. I'm not talking about a super sense, a sixth sense. I'm talking about five basic senses, at least in the in metaphor for bullshit. They can't even smell bullshit. Right. It's like if they were literally confronted with a wall of bullshit and told this is cheese, cheese, or well, no, rose petals. <laughs> they would go, yes, this is rose petals, and we are fighting for the rose petals as the shit fell on their head, you know. Yeah. And they say, what, do you not have a sense of smell? But you know, so that's a yeah, that's like an analogy for their inability to just, I don't know, to read reality and even basic human psychology, you know? It, they live, in, they live in, in like a fairy story, you know? In, in a make-believe Disney story. Goodies and baddies and it's, yeah. it's really bad. Like, I mean, they just have no idea. And then you have to like listen to, watch them posting stuff on Twitter and... Scroll, scroll, scroll. Yeah, yeah, whatever. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's just like, at that I'm not like, I don't even, I can't take them seriously anymore, you know? Yeah. But they, they're so forthright, you know? They're very uh, convinced of their position, you know? Even though it's so divorced from reality, but whatever. Um, yeah. What about Klaus Schwab? To brain implants. 
Klaus Schwab's worry about something. This is something. Uh, Klaus Schwab's has a lot of a lot of dark thoughts, you know. Yeah. He's scared of a lot of stuff. He wants us to be scared of a lot of stuff. I don't know if he's scared of it personally, and he's just sharing his fear, or if he actually wants us to be afraid as well, or to be afraid um, when he's not really. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Is he the instigator of the fear, or is it his own fear? Is he genuinely well motivated? He wants to share a threat to all of us, me included, me, Klaus Schwab included. I am like you. Uh, this is what he's scared about now. Pay insufficient attention to the frightening scenario of a comprehensive cyber attack, which would oh, bring yeah. to a complete halt to the power supply, transportation, hospital services, our society as a whole. The COVID-19 crisis would be seen in this respect as a small disturbance in comparison to a major cyber attack. A major cyber attack. Klaus is a doomer, like. He's <laughs> big, big time. time. He's big time doomer. But Was that his own production, WF, with the music and all, or did someone add that on? I don't know. Probably, I wouldn't be surprised if WF, uh, yeah. I mean, the, produced that. Yeah. yeah. Well, they got it. Catapult the propaganda, gotta get it into your brain. They're like usually, you know, visuals. fluffy, fluffy go lucky. I know. 20, 30, but alone, this is serious, Neil. Very serious. Right. They we were, are talking about a devastating cyber attack. They were on, on you, personally. <laughs> they were on that immediately with COVID. It was yeah. bizarre how quick it was just. Yeah. People were just adjusting to the news that we're in a global pandemic and they were like, the cyber attack's coming. The yeah. what? Well, this is obviously afterwards because he said now COVID 19 crisis would appear as. We'll, we'll look back on it as because uh, um, it's gone now. You know the COVID crisis is gone, but he's here to warn us that the COVID crisis was small potatoes because there's a devastating Saba attack coming. Um, People interpret that as okay, so he and or his buddies are planning to pull the switch on everything. Not until they get you off gas and uh, and and oil first. Get you on the heat pump yeah. and electric stoves, and then we'll pull the lever on the cyber attack because then you'll be totally dependent on us. Well, no, then there'll be nothing. Hmm? Then no. you'll have nothing. Then we can turn oh, it then back. Then you'll be happy. Yeah. <laughs> we can turn it back on if you are very good boys. Okay, so it'll be like gaslighting for real. Yeah. But I mean, it's like, yeah, it's weird. Like he's talking about a deadly cyber attack and he shows all that power going off in the city. Uh, um, and. At the same time, he and others are promoting that everybody should become dependent on the electric grid solely. In preparation for the cyber attack, you should be entirely vulnerable. <laughs> Do not get your own generator. <laughs> yeah. Because this is bad for the planet. You must have, you must be hooked up to the, the grid. Because then with my sweaty hands, I can pull the lever and shut you off from the grid. Arnold Schwarzenegger. Yeah. I need to. That's a crazy plan if they do that. That's crazy. Because the, the, whole, the whole thing is dependent on the internet, the ability to reach people's brains. Yeah. If people go without the internet for three days, they'll de-brainwash a lot of them. Mm. That's all it takes. They just need to disconnect it from the, the mirage, right? Mm. So these guys pulling the plug to do that, mm. 
they're going to backfire. They're going to lose their mind control, the main means of mind control. The internet. And comms, media. Let's, let's play this one because this is the unedited one. The, 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 the background was added, but it was just it was for a dramatic effect, you know. But apparently it's just a speech. We all know, but still pay insufficient attention to the frightening scenario of frightening. a comprehensive cyber attack, which would bring to a complete halt to the power supply, transportation, hospital services, our society as a whole. The COVID-19 crisis would be seen in this respect as a small disturbance in comparison to a major cyber attack to use the COVID-19 crisis as a timely opportunity to reflect on the lessons the cybersecurity community can draw and improve our preparedness for a potential cyber pandemic. Cyber pandemic? What's a cyber pandemic? No idea. Is that what, like, a vi- okay, a virus can infect your computers. Right. Smart clouds, smart, that's really good. I like that. And the virus attack will come from Wuhan. someone, not us. Wuhan, China. So, yeah, that's from 2020. They, a cyber the, pandemic. It's, it's the thing he really wanted to see happen Computer. or talk about. That was his shtick. Computers being, will there be a vaccine for the cyber pandemic, though? Can you vaccinate computers against cyber pandemic, Scotty? Sure. You, sure. You just get... Bill Gates? I don't know. <laughs> get well, malware bites. Get, you know, get Kaspersky, it's Russian. Yeah. The cyber attack. A devastating cyber attack. He probably lies at night, you know. But, He's yeah. had dreams like... <laughs> you know, like like... Sweating and twisting and turning, thrashing around in bed, you know, and it's in a fevered dream about cyber attack. Yeah, devastating cyber attack. Him, no, him and Bill Gates both. They they dream of a world in in chaos or something. I don't know, so that their solution, so that they can step in mm. and become a saviors of the planet or something. Mm. Yeah, yeah, that's pretty. They want to be say god complex, basically. Yeah. Yeah. Do you know um, Swine Flu? Yeah, 2009. It was one before that, though, I think, as well. In well, fucking mouse disease, 70s. 2001. Um, there was originally a swine flu, but the swine flu has been around for a oh, while. Oh, yeah, that's, there was, was a vaccine campaign as a result. Yeah, there was no a No uptake scandal. Yeah, there was a rollout. 77. For, yeah, exactly. So, uh Play that, Scotty. Um, 12 deaths. This is Channel 7's 11 o'clock Action News with Bill Bonds, John Kelly, and Detroit's number one news team. Good evening, everybody. I'm Bill Bonds, and here's a look at what's happening tonight. And what's happening is that the swine flu vaccination program ground to a halt from coast to coast today. 
There have been now 12 reported deaths so far, with victims dying just a few hours after receiving those inoculative shots. All of the victims were elderly persons, and all, we are told, died of apparent heart attacks. In the state of Michigan, the state health director, Maurice Risen, ordered a stop to all swine flu shots after three Michigan men died hours after receiving their vaccinations. Health officials estimate that 10,000 Michigan people have already received their shots, and President Gerald Ford told ABC Television News tonight that he intends to get his vaccination. Because he's got a death wish. <laughs> uh, that, was that was back in the day when... Uh, when people dying from suspected vaccine injury was a thing, well, it was something that people cared about uh, back in the good old days. Nowadays, it it's was meh, whatever. I don't believe you. Vaccines are great. mRNA is awesome. mRNA is going to save the world. Um, yeah. It really shows how far the political and media elites have just gone since then you know at least then they could pull in the reins a bit they kind of you know intelligently game a few things ahead okay people are starting to drop dead that means the numbers are going to go way up there'll be a backlash some mm -hmm. some heads will roll so we'll just pull the break on it now whereas today it's like i don't care millions keep going there's a guy in a uh, british mp was basically fired from the conservative party last week because well ostensibly because he he used it the comparison of mm -hmm. he didn't compare he said that what's going on now could be uh, the worst thing humanitarian crisis since the holocaust he said he was quoting a doctor who said that to him an Israeli doctor nonetheless yeah, yeah. and then he got torn apart for anti-semitism but really when you know they actually spoke more freely it's because no he broke the party line you're not allowed to discuss vaccine injuries mm-hmm and that's from, I'm talking about uh, British MP Andrew Bridgen. That's despite the man himself having been vaccinated twice mm -hmm. with AstraZeneca, which has been recalled because of the vaccine harms it was causing. Mm -hmm. <laughs> what he's suggesting is that maybe we should look at these mRNA ones. And no, 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 you're fired. Right. Which, you know, I didn't know you could actually fire an elected official, but apparently yeah. you can now in Britain. But no, yeah, that's how far gone, like, the situation is this is the hill our political elites today are apparently going to get vaccine injured on yeah or, or get die. their heads lopped whatever kind of backlash comes down the road if that happened they don't care the CDC and FDA this week uh, published uh, information a surveillance signal uh, saying that it is very likely to um, that the Pfizer's uh, shot uh, is very likely to represent a true clinical risk, um, specifically um, strokes in people over 65. All people are doing is saying... YouTube, just to reference watching, take notes, CDC said, not us, CDC, health authorities... CDC yeah. FDA said there's a possible link between Pfizer's shot and strokes in over 65. Um, I mean, that's just, you know, when they come out and officially say it, there's a lot of other people saying, have been saying that for a long time, uh, and not just, um, you know, not just in people over 65, but in various different age groups. And uh, back in the day, back in the 70s, that 70s news anchor there, he would have been 
all over that. He would have been like, yeah, this needs to stop and we, you know, we need to investigate. Especially now that COVID isn't COVID anymore in a certain sense. I mean, when people say COVID, they think of people are dying. Oh my God, lockdown, uh, socially distanced, et cetera, et cetera. The virus at this point, Omicron based is, uh, Oh, we're on to cracking now though. Just, I know, but that's just, there's still the legacy. There's still the, you know, the descendants of Omicron basically. And it's, a, it's a little more than a head cold. So at that point, when something is just a head cold, why would you not, and with evidence even from the CDC and FDA, that there's maybe something that needs to be looked in here in terms of association with uh, mRNA shots and strokes? You have no reason not to, no reason that isn't financial, not to, um, not to, you know, just put things on hold and do some do some investigation. Is that is that the kind of thing that get get you banned on YouTube saying that that a virus that has evolved into something that is innocuous for the vast majority of people, i.e. the head cold, but there is evidence, even from the CDC and FDA, are admitting that there's evidence that it may be linked to strokes. Is it, would it get you banned from YouTube for saying that maybe you should pause the vaccine rollout, stop giving them to people and start an investigation? Just to make sure that the vaccines are as awesome as they say they are, and in fact they're not injuring people, especially since most people don't need a vaccine for a head cold? Will that get you banned from YouTube? We'll find out in about 20 minutes. All right. Fair enough. <laughs> <clears throat> Going by our track record, it just takes voice recognition software. Maxine. To hear Joe. I said Quinn Maxine. <laughs> it's a friend of mine. Maxine, shut up. Stupid YouTube. I said Maxine. Well, it, it's getting elected official in the UK fired, banned. So, so yeah, it is. Definitely. And that shithead Hancock then spoke. Stepped up. He's still in Parliament, right? He's still a backbencher MP. Right. Steps up and does the right honourable gentleman addressing obviously the Prime Minister, Sunak, um, agree with me that you know we must stop these horrific anti-vax, anti-Semitic conspiracy theories. Like it, yeah, the British pro- media the last week is just like anti-Semitism, anti-vax. Yeah. Blend it all together into a stew. Right. And just just. Well, you can, it out you can do anti-Semitism for everything. Everything can be anti-Semitic, you know. That's the best one to throw in. Mix, mix, if something you don't like, mix in anti-Semitism with it and done. And, you're, and it's cooked. Uh, that was Hat, Hat Mancock. Yeah. Yeah. Why is he talking about it? Does he have some vested interest in the vaccines? Is he, oh, he's yeah. yeah. Um, there was the latest, uh, just for people who don't know, there was the latest uh, a few days ago, two or three days ago, the uh, latest uh, Twitter files. And this time it was on the Russiagate files. And the short story is that basically the whole Russiagate thing uh, was false, specifically in terms of uh, Russian bots being all over um, Twitter and Facebook and other mm. social media in order to you know, influence American elections. Uh, Twitter files, the latest Twitter files produced this time by Matt uh, Tybee, um, um, show that there was absolutely no Russian, significant Russian influence whatsoever. Not and just the election, but in subsequent campaigning right. issues. So when Devin Nunes um, was seeking, he was seeking the release of some files, and that attract hashtag began release the memo. Mm. Yeah. The counter to that was, huh, where did this come from? And they tracked, they, it was happening all over the place. The Brits were doing it too. The Guardian, you know, with their hacks were like coming up with these 
studies bringing in academics as well to show psychographic maps of mm. interactions online and who are the key players pushing these things. It was all total bullshit. They, they skewed the data. And um, Twitter themselves, what was interesting about the Tabies latest is that the discussions inside Twitter are, are honorable because they were like, what are these people talking about? Mm-hmm. We've got journalists and we've got congressmen and spooks writing to us, mm-hmm. warning us about all these trolls. And then they're going and checking them out on a case-by-case basis. And they're like, no, this started organically. And there's even one where it's a great little quote. I don't know if it's Joe Roth or someone else, but someone high up on Twitter is like, maybe we shouldn't feed the congressional trolls. Mm-hmm. I mean, they saw it for what it was. They were being swarmed by the bot army of the Western power elite, mm-hmm. not the Russian one. There was no Russian one. And that they were projecting this out because they wanted to suppress an organic dissident campaign from within the United States, from ordinary Americans. Mm-hmm. So that was a good breakdown to see that. Well, well we don't Next. learn anything. Some people are criticizing this because this isn't getting the kind of media attention. It's not us that needs to hear it. It's the people who don't engage in social media who need to hear it. This mm-hmm. needs to be breaking news on CNN, BBC, and so on. Is, are these revelations any good as you know, threads on Twitter? Just confirm what we already know. Yeah, it's good to have. It, but it ends up tragically being just a bubble, mm-hmm. you know, which is what Musk and Taibbi and all these other genuinely non-aligned, independent, mm-hmm. non-partisan writers were trying to cut through. Mm. That they're not. The point is, they were selected because they're not partisan, and still, it, it just ends up in a relatively small echo chamber. It doesn't get on USA Today. And NYT and so on, but mm-hmm. yeah, and because people out there still believe Russian trolls, yeah, well, or it lodged in their brain back then because of the media coverage of the lie. Do you do you ever hear of this? Came up in connection with it. Um, does reality winner ring a bell? No, in terms of what. Sorry, in terms of what? That's actually the name of a person. Mm. I kid you not. Oh, yeah, surname yeah. was Winner. I saw it. I saw that on Twitter. Some, someone wrote in Reality winner, winner is blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, is that a TV show? Yeah. I thought it was a code name or something. No, this was a patriotic young American who had served somewhere, ended up working for an NSA contractor as a translator. She was a linguist, I think. Um. <clears throat> That's not a real name, reality. That's her winner. real name. Her surname's Winner, and her father decided to name her Reality because it would be funny. Poor girl. Her name is Reality Winner. Oh. So she is working at the NSA, well, no, for a contractor to the NSA mm-hmm. on some unrelated topic, but she comes across a file somewhere, and what it is, it's a, an internal report, NSA on Russian trolls, on the ex- presence and the extent of Russian trolls online in the United States, with some data, some examples. Um, maybe they're blacked out. I can't remember. Mm-hmm. Anyway, um, she's like, holy sh- wow. Well, this is crazy. Oh, what attracted to her was the certainty in both the title and the summary of the report that it was Russian GRU. There's no evidence connected 
supplied for the report, but it was just spoke with total conviction that they had uncovered a Russian troll operation in the United States, yet directly directly controlled by Russian intelligence. Hmm. She's like, damn, this is, wow. And this isn't being published? No. So she decided to be, in the spirit of the times, 2017, 18, to be a patriot and to leak it to The Intercept. Mm-hmm. It completely backfired. The Intercept published it, and they, they, they published it as a bombshell Russian report, and The Intercept, too, probably thought, this is great. We're going to get lots of traction here because this is what, the powers that be want to hear, right? Mm -hmm. That's not what happened, though. Um, She was tracked down, arrested, and charged, and has... Five years in prison. Five years in prison. She's the longest... She's serving the longest sentence for a whistleblower. If you... Yeah, officially. In a sense, Julian Assange is serving longer. Snowden, of course, is Barton. He's hiding from the US, but... This is the longest prison sentence for a whistleblower. I, it's weird, though. Why would they do that? That she, she came across something. The only thing I could think was that. What did she come she, across exactly? Um, I'll put this guy here. I think it's embedded inside the Intercept article that was published. Um, an NSA report on the operations of a Russian troll army, quote something like that, inside the United States around about 2017. Uh, I know it was more than that. It was more than that. Okay. Okay. So uh, there you see the date is June 2017. Intercept gets this from Reality Winner. Mm-hmm. Headline: Top secret NSA report details Russian hacking effort days before 2016 election. Mm. It should have been bombed. This should have nailed. This should have been. This should have been grist for the mill for the Mueller investigation. This would have forget the Russian bot operation going on Putin's chef over in Petersburg this was going to be nail Trump to the wall so uh, opening headline um, paragraph Russian military intelligence executed a cyber attack on at least one voting software supplier and sent spear phishing emails to more than 100 local election officials just days before last November's presidential election so sorry I've got completely wrong in my summary of that I was saying suggesting that there was uh Trolls, online trolling. This is way more sophisticated. This was an attempt to actually f- interfere with well, to access vote. voter registration rules. Yeah, but the end result was it was unclear whether any changes had been made to the voter registration rules. So basically, it was a nothing burger. Nothing right. happened. There's nothing they could pin anything on. They couldn't show that there was any interference or any hacking or any influence on the election at all. And uh, so she just it was it was uh, it went nowhere. Basically, it didn't you know it didn't help them. It didn't help the, the, the lie about Russian, Russia hacking our elections because it didn't go anywhere. It didn't show any Russian interference in the elections at all. Right. But she, so she was just simply uh, simply given a, 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 a sentence for, uh, for leaking classified documents. But something did happen. There was a spear phishing operation at yeah. these. This is where I think maybe there was an actual attempt to hack the roles. An email that phishing. That was caught. An email phishing operation. Okay. And maybe it didn't get anywhere then. Can you scroll down to the, I think it's they embed um, the report. That's the title of it, I think. Okay. 
Det er det som... I mean, it was it was elaborate. The only the thing that was BS to me was not that this may not have happened, but that they had no evidence that it came from outside of the US. Mm-hmm. So I wondered if her, if what she came across was something she shouldn't have seen because it actually describes something that was going on internally in the US, and hence that she got why she got punished so hard. You know, mm-hmm. she thought she was doing what the political flavor of the day wanted mm-hmm. and that this should have been like i said grist for them this would have been awesome news for the Mueller investigation mm-hmm. but instead they buried it and they buried her for five years yeah i just thought the whole thing was bizarre and i couldn't believe that her name was reality winner like what anyway maybe it's nothing maybe it's just one of those quirks quirks of the matrix mm-hmm there was another Twitter files released this week from Alex Berenson. Mm. Ah, yeah. Is he? He's he's on the team now. Except he just published a Substack. Okay. It wasn't on on Twitter. It was only a few on Twitter, and then a link to a Substack. Just, it was about the COVID files. Yeah. It was. Mm. Was there anything? Anything? Of, did you see it? Uh, yeah. Um, particularly, Dem politicians wanted to, as we know, shut. Uh, were sending requests to. Um, to Twitter to shut down people who are uh, disagreeing with, uh, with lockdowns and with uh, with While vaccine, Trump was vaccine. president. Uh, yeah, but it was Democrats. Right, interesting. Yeah, it's it's like so far Twitter files are just yep, yep, yeah, I know that. Yeah, I've been saying that for two, three years. Yep, 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 yep. I mean, it's like it's nice to have confirmation of it, but it's you know to know that you're reading reality correctly, you know. Um. So yeah, and there was on on that. Just meant to say on that Russian missile uh, salvo yesterday, they had a in Dnipro. They had a, a an, apartment, an apartment building, and uh, Ukrainian NAFO Twitter Twitter is going crazy about it, calling for the annihilation of Russia, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Um, yeah, the Guardian. Except Arist uh, and the Guardian and all of the Western media are carrying it as you know, barbaric Russian war crimes, blah blah blah. Russian missile direct, you know, allowing it to be assumed that uh, Russian missile deliberately targeted a residential apartment complex, in which, just because they're Russian, in which twenty people died because they're Ukrainians. Yeah, so just oh, kill, yeah, just kill kill Ukrainian citizens basically yeah. just because that's a war objective, you know, kill Ukrainian citizens, although they obviously haven't been doing that. So obviously there's more to the story. And thankfully that, <laughs> that Luper Arestovich actually spilled the beans and none of them are very happy about it. You can just listen to him here. He tells you what actually happened. So you go, basically he's saying that uh, he's admitting, and he would be, I suppose, in a position to know, and there's no reason for him to say this if it's not true. Um, even if he didn't know, even if it's just a, a theory, why would he say it? Um, he says that the missile was partly shot down uh, by Ukrainian air defense, but not, and, and as a result it landed on the apartment uh, complex, i.e. the apartment complex was not the target. Which is obviously in keeping with Russian tactics so far, which have been to not go around slaughtering Ukrainian civilians just for the just for the fun of it, you know. As as they'd like you like you to believe. So yeah, there you go. 
Um, yeah. Any more news that you've got? Any more news that is not fit to print but has been printed? Jordan Peterson being summoned for social media re-education. Yeah. Um, basically, he has no choice there, right? He's, he either does it or he's no longer an accredited psychologist in Ontario. Not yet, no. Not yet. He's, no, he, he's, he's been asked. He has to go through reprogramming. Re, uh, reprogramming. Yeah. Uh, reprogramming, uh, re-education or whatever they, it is. They use those terms. Like... <clears throat> It's it's, it's dystopia sensitization to social media, whatever, and they bunch about twelve people or something like that over the course of a few years sent complaints about him about tweets that he made saying that as a psychologist he shouldn't be saying this kind of thing. It was one of them was to a guy who was talking about overpopulation and going on about how we need uh, you know there's too many people on the planet, and Peterson tweeted back at him saying you're free to leave anytime you want. And they said the person who complained to the Canadian psychological, psychological board, whatever, uh, board of psychologists or whatever it is, uh, said that uh, here was a Canadian psychologist encouraging someone to commit suicide. And this is not something that a, psych- a psychologist should do, so uh, uh, he should be have his license revoked. And then various other things, the one where he tweeted about uh, that, what's that girl, guy's name who had her? Page. Page, Ellen Page. Yeah, uh, complain talking about calling the whoever did that uh, butcher surgeons, butcher surgeons, whatever that one, and a few others similar. He, that apparently he's not allowed. It's harm, uh, harm, just harm, Neil, harm, causing harm mm. to people who read a tweet, like a microaggression, microaggressions mm. to people who read tweets from a psychologist, which is just beyond the pale, and he should be stripped of his license as a result. And these people have apparently taken these complaints seriously. Twelve out of, you know, millions of people, obviously, who have seen his tweets or seen his lectures or whatever, and this is all they can come up with. The odd kind of like, you know, you know, angry tweet, let's say, or snarky tweet, and um, this on the balance of that. So there's no balance, basically. It has to be, have to be completely squeaky clean, right? If 100 million people or 10 million, 20 million people watch your videos and 12 of them don't like some of the things you said, then those 12 people have to have their grievances addressed officially. And you have to address those grievances officially by going through uh, a sensitization program conducted by other psychologists in Canada who will teach you how to be more psychologisty on Twitter. <laughs> and if you don't do it, you're going to have your license revoked because you're no longer a psychologist. Well, shit, they revoked thousands of doctors' license in 2020. Yeah. Because they refused to go along with it. Or in some cases, just because they dared to treat yeah. COVID. Yeah. Um, a couple of items yeah. uh, I want to put up here. This is from the uh, conspiracy theory to actual reality in less than six months department. Wall Street Journal asks um, two weeks ago, are vaccines fueling new COVID variants? The virus appears to be evolving in ways that evade immunity. Yeah. <clears throat> Thanks, vaccines. Yeah. What was his name? Van den Bosch, 2020. Yeah. Exactly. Conspiracy well, theorists. They're lucky that the variants that it's producing are, like so I said, weak. nothing. Could it, yeah, it could have been worse. Um, 
one final item from the conspiracy theory to reality in less than six months department. San Francisco outlet reports. San Francisco Standard. I don't know what that is exactly, but uh, oh, yeah. headline, these doctors pushed masking COVID lockdowns on Twitter. Turns out they don't exist. Mm. That's actually from last month. Scroll down a bit yeah. there. There's some great examples. I think some of them you might remember. There's a handful of them, yeah. You remember, you've, people have seen on Twitter and they take screenshots whenever the exact same tweet is repeated like dozens mm. and hundreds of times mm. by bots or even by real people who just behave like bots. The transgender doctor of sociology and feminist studies with a keen yeah. interest in poetry who yeah. used the they-them pronouns was in fact a stock photo described yeah. on deposit photos. It, it, no, not that they just were not doctors. They were not actual people. Yeah. So this is what I explain to people, but it's so hard until they get a real example. Back in the 2000s, the Pentagon created sock puppet armies of people who would themselves then create hundreds of fake accounts. And just like... Uh, as the Snowden files explained explicitly when he published NSA PowerPoint presentations, their job was to disrupt, divert, and destroy the narrative, Mm -hmm. especially if it was against our interest. Um, So these guys, I think they're having some examples of their tweets Mm. or their videos. The one above there, the the paragraph just above at the top, um, the guy said, sad to announce that my husband, and so... You know, there's a guy saying, my husband has entered a coma after being in hospital with COVID. The doctors are unsure if he will come out. This year has been the toughest of my life, losing my sister to the virus. This is the first time in my life I don't see the light at the end of the tunnel. And that was all from somebody who... That was all horseshit. ...doesn't exist, basically. Somebody who sat there being paid and or enjoying fucking with your head. Yeah. Scroll down beyond the um, stock images of two examples... I think they show some of their tweets and the numbers of likes and so on. Maybe not. Not at the top, they talked about that. They write about it. People should check that article out. Um, they have some examples, I think. Uh, they were, <laughs> were people who were fake doctors getting liked and retweeted hundreds of thousands of times. Oh, those could have been fake numbers too. I mean, who knows if Twitter was, you know, augmenting the to help them gain a following, augmenting their fake numbers. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but they accused everyone else who was actually trying to, you know, warn them that this isn't what they're saying it is of being fake and firing them. Actual doctors lost their licenses. Fake ones were promoted and. The lie goes around the world. Yep. And took it over. You gotta you gotta be careful from them lies going around the world. You gotta protect yourself. You have to actively assume that including from authorities that uh, there's something maybe more to the story that isn't being told, you know. Because well, that's the lesson from the past few years, right? That even authorities get it wrong sometimes. I'm not gonna say they're lying. They get it wrong sometimes. So be cautious and, you know, do your own research on top of the excellent research from science and government. Look into it a bit further, think, and uh, and we're banned for saying that. Yeah, I think that's uh, officially now a far-right talking point. Okay. Yeah. All right, whatever. Anyway, 
Yeah. I'm not far right talking. Social re-education for you. Yeah. I need to and you, Scotty, you don't escape. I need to go for reprogramming. Yeah, so on that far right talking point, uh, yeah, we'll leave it there for this week, folks. Thanks for watching. Hope you enjoyed the show. Um, and thanks for commenting. Don't forget to smash all the buttons. We'll be back next week with another one on whatever's been going on between now and then. So until then, have a good one. Thanks for watching. Bye. Can't stop the signal now. Thank mm-hmm. you.